What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Final Whistle Sports Podcast. Yes, we broke our streak. We promised you weekly episodes, and we failed last week. We decided to enjoy uh, our uh, lovely uh, weeks and try to take a step back. And we were like, ah, it's okay. We'll see. We'll figure it out, and we'll get back into it. No big deal. Because we had Mother's Day, and then work caught up with me. Then you had some other stuff that you had going on. So, of course. And then, you know, Memorial Day weekend, we were like, ah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's uh, starting off the month of June with an episode. So how about that? Right around the corner, right on time. NBA Finals starts tonight. And then we've got a little bit of Stanley Cup start Finals starts Saturday. But, you know, we're going to start, you know, with the game that we've been playing a lot recently, and that is in the golfing world. I finally have gotten back onto the course, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm not as good as Joe. We all know this. But remarkably had a decent day at the office yesterday. <laughs> so that's a win for me. But let's talk PGA, Joe. Uh, Brooks Kepka has created the story that we wanted in April at Augusta. A live golfer takes home the second major of the year, beating Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler by two strokes. And now there's a little bit of a argument here now that's we've been thinking about once live got started these last two years that once there was a major one what's gonna happen now joe what overall impression of the tournament how do you think it went and then what are we gonna do now with this live pga tour dynamic Biggest storyline of them all wasn't even Brooks winning it. I That's know. I was going to allow you to. I knew you would want to hop in on that. So I was going to let you talk about Blocky himself. Uh, Michael Block. What a day for the young man. You know, I mean, even par through three. Then you get to the fourth round. You know, the media is all over him, right? He's loving shit. huh? Then you get to the par three. You're playing with Rory McIlroy. I mean, you played with Justin Rose the day before. You know, great, great competitors in golf. And you go out and dunk a ball in for a whole one. Insane. Unbelievable, man. Michael Block, man. I mean, kudos to him. I mean, it was kind of, it was funny. I saw a video and it was after Brooks won. And it was the shooter McGavin holding the checkup and they were asking him about happy. And he goes, who cares? Who won the tournament? And that's how I envisioned Brooks was going to be. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was a great story, dude. I absolutely loved it. I mean, you know, now we got through this past week. Unfortunately, he came in dead last. Last, dead last. At the shore. Um, yeah, it was it wasn't a good look there. But I mean, good. It was a great story for him. He was able to make the PGA championship for next year. Um, so yeah, it, it it was it was a great story to watch all week, but to, to the real story here, Brooks Kepka winning minus nine, played incredible golf, um, especially from Friday to Sunday, shot in the 60s, all them uh, two to three days, or then three days, excuse me. Um, he, he looked just dominant force. He looked like he was playing like he was at the Masters um, earlier this year. I mean, he came in hot. He was ready to go. 
And, you know, Scotty was creeping up a little bit. You kind of thought maybe Scotty might take the rain, but, you know, that Saturday round kind of killed him shooting, you know, one over par. Just didn't keep him with him. Um, but kudos to them because that course looked like a beast. It looked like a beast. The rough was thick. It was, what was it? It was Friday or Saturday. It was pouring all day. So if you got caught in that, it was brutal just to get through. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, Brooks Kepka is a beast right now. He's killing it, you know, and I, you got to look ahead, right? You got to look at the U.S. Open and be like, hmm, this guy has a chance here to win it again as well. So we'll see how it turns out. But Brooks, Brooks played incredible. It was great stuff. And the the controversy that we wanted, like you said, live versus PGA. Now, what's going to happen? What's going to go on? You know, I, we were kind of like, ooh, you know, what if a live guy wins? You know, how would it be? Well, now you got a live guy that won, huh? So now what are you going to do? And truthfully, if you look at the leaderboard, like there's a good chunk. There's a good chunk of uh, what's his name? DeShambo fourth. Yeah, DeShambo, Cameron Smith that tied nine. Um, You know, a couple guys up there that you're like, Okay, they live guys, you know. So you throw a little shot in there, but Brooks, he still might be drunk still. I mean, who knows with his case because he went on a rampage after he left. Um, oh, it was nuts. Oh, yeah. But good for Brooks. Um, I got to shoot a question back to you. Oh, boy. And we, we were kind of talking about it, but we didn't talk about it too much. And we were talking about it before. Brooks or Rory now? Who has the better career? Oh, shit. We were texting back and forth on this one. And I was just like, fuck. I I mean, if you're talking about, damn, it's like you could go either way, depending on how you want to answer the question, right? But for me, golf lives and breathes kind of by what you do on the course. And I know Rory's got more career wins. I think it's right more career wins Rory does by by significantly yes but man i i think i gotta take brooks because i value the major championship so much more than a regular golf tournament so you think winning this major put him over the top of rory mcelroy i think so especially but you all i think a lot of people also are at the point where we haven't seen Rory really put himself in a true position to win one since 2014 when he last won his when he won the Open and PGA back to back. So there hasn't been that opportunity. I mean, he shot that incredible round in 22 at Augusta, right, for him to finish second, but I, he was never truly in contention. And then even in the PGA, he made a couple quick birdies and then as soon as then he couldn't figure out how to putt the rest of the day and i yep. mean you would think playing with Bl- michael block would actually freed him up to actually go crazy low because it was such a loose environment and he honestly wasn't the face on the golf course in his group which is mm-hmm. pretty much <laughs> never gonna happen yep yep so i think for me, I value what I'm seeing right now. And with it's not like Brooks before live. If you exclude 22, right, because of the injury, like the man is there every time. He had four wins and four runner ups in the 
since what his when he won his first and what was it 2018 or 2019 i believe yeah it's when he went on the run yeah so like you gotta value that man you gotta put him right there as arguably and when it comes to a major championship he's got to be a top five favorite week in week out without question so i'm taking kepka what are you gonna do I agree. I, I was I was fighting Kepka and Rory even before he won this major because they were both tied at four at the time. And of course Rory has more wins, right? So so that was kind of the big kicker. Well, now you really there's not that argument, right? Because Brooks now has a major over uh Rory does. And truthfully, Brooks has been more relevant over the last four to five years. Rory really hasn't been relevant at all since like twenty fourteen. We talked about this last time we were on the podcast. Like who was the Ex, who was the guy that kind of needed to win, right? And we both yeah. were sitting here and we were agreeing, oh, it's Rory, because Rory hasn't really done anything since 2014 or 2015. And yes, he's in majors here and there, here and there, but he's never in, like, winning it, gonna look like he's gonna win it, maybe collapses. Like, I haven't seen that Rory yet, right? Yeah. Here, you got Brooks collapse at the Augustas, but he still finished, what, second or third at the time. Yeah. Now he wins here. I mean... He's playing good ball in majors, plain and simple. And I th I would choose Brooks as well. I think Brooks has had a better career, and I, and I take majors over anything, any day of the week. I mean, he's killing the game right now. Good for him, and there's no stopping him. Game His game looks excellent right now. He's driving the ball immaculate. His putter's dialed in. He's playing really, really good golf right now, and, uh, you know, only looking up for him, right? Like, Definitely has a chance at the U.S. Open. I mean, the Open's always kind of tough. It's kind of weird. So he might not, might be a little more tougher for him there. But, you know, you got to put him right in discussion each and every week now or each and every time they go to majors with Scotty and uh, John Rahm now, huh? Oh, without question. He has, it's got to be, he has, to, it's probably 1A, 1B, 1C when it comes to those three guys. And you can make the argument that, Man, if Scotty didn't have a bad day Saturday, that was going to be a duel to watch Sunday between him and between Scotty and Brooks. I mean, you Scotty made a push, but like he never really got to a point where Brooks was truly threatened. And Hovland, he hung in there, but he never really got it within a striking distance where you ever thought that. Brooks was going to relinquish the lead on Sunday. I don't know. I disagree with that because Hovland did make a push, um, especially like on the turn. Like it was damn near close to tied. And then all of a sudden, I think Hovland on 16 or 17 bogeyed or double bogeyed and kept compared or birdied. I don't know which one. And it was a two shot swing. And that's yeah. what essentially sealed it off. But, you know, we were talking here last time, right? And I also said, Hovland like, was your guy. Hovland yeah, it was, was like, my, my guy was like, it was Hovland. Like, Hovland needed to do something in a major. I haven't seen really anything yet. Well, hey, he kind of shut me up a little bit because he really proved something here. This is one. I don't know if it is the best finish that he has, but it's probably damn near close for a second place, you know? Um, So, you know, good for him to kind of shut me up a little bit because I needed to see something from him, right? And he, and right. he played well. You know, all four days, truthfully, he played well. Under par every day, two under or better in all four rounds. So, I mean, he played really solid golf. And truthfully enough, he played good in the final pairing with Kepka on Sunday. Just, you know, got an you know, unfortunate event on 16, I think it was, and just kind of shot his load a little too early. That's all. I agree. I think the only thing from, like, my perspective is that I 
he never did he ever tie for the lead that round i don't remember if brooks ever and victor ever tied so like that was the thing for me like even with brooks having a one-shot lead it felt so much more than that because you knew brooks especially after augusta like victor was gonna have to go out and like take it there was no way brooks was gonna give that up and you could see it sunday with how aggressive brooks played especially in those opening four or five holes he said i am not like there was that whole interview right he said i'm not gonna play how i did on sunday at augusta i'm not gonna tell you what i did but we can all kind of infer that he played not to lose and kind of played hesitant golf at augusta and john rom went absolutely on a tear to -hmm. overtake him right and you could see that that was not going to be the mentality. He was going to still be locked in, focused. And it's crazy to think about how you relinquish one so badly in the previous major, but you completely lock in when you're in the exact same position a, a month later. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, 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 you said it best. Yeah, you lock in, you know, just a month later. Now, why can't he maybe even do that again? Come at the U.S. Open. I mean, he's he's won the U.S. Open before too, so I don't see an issue issue there. And truthfully enough, I think the PGA Championships prepared him enough for the U.S. Open because the conditions were almost is going to be identical to what is going to be um, in Los Angeles come when the U.S. Open rolls around. I I don't really see a see a chance, or I don't see really a world where he isn't maybe the favorite, you know, going into the U.S. Open. Oh, hundred percent agree. And I think you nailed it on the head. That PGA Championship had a U.S. Open setup. And if if we look at that leaderboard again, like you could see it, the cream of the crop rose to the top of that leaderboard. And I think you're going to see that again at the US, U.S. Open. These Those guys that were successful at the PGA are going to probably be the same probably 50% of those names are going to be the same at the top of the leaderboard at the U S open in a, in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, you got guys coming up. I mean, it, it was a tough, it was a tough, tough course, man. Plain and simple. You know, if you watched it, I mean, let alone from the rain on that Thursday and Friday or that Friday and Saturday, excuse me, that was holding it off. But it was, uh, it, it was just set up like a U.S. open course, thick, rough, long, rough, fast greens you know and the course was long i mean he was playing long i lo- actually loved one of the holes it was a, a like partial drivable par four and some of them guys laid up in the beginning you know round one and round two to play it safe come round four though they were all shooting for it bang, bang. yeah yeah 14 i think it was i think it was yeah 320 yards bang bang you know and a lot of them hit it too i think you know brooks and, and hovland in that last group were the ones that hit it. Um, but yeah, it was it was good stuff. Um, great, it was a great truthfully, it was a great PGA championship. I was locked in all Sunday for sure. You know, tuning in and uh yeah, just glad to see Brooks won, man. Truthfully, I was I was happy to see him win. I know a lot of people don't like him. Um, but I'm one that you know, I do like Brooks. I think he's a very, very good competitor and uh good for the game of golf. Does he get on to the Ryder Cup team now? Does this pretty much put him on? He's had two events that technically count he's gone second first and he's now second in the voting because remember for the Ryder cup it's not through the pga tour it's through the pga of america so it's a little bit of a loophole when it comes to that type of stuff because rory came out i think was it yesterday i believe and he said brooks should be on the team no doubt about it he's 
arguably the best golfer right now for in not just in just the sport, not just um the US team, but but then Rory had a harsh take on the European side of things saying there should no way no way in heck a European guy from live should be on the, one of the squads. Mm. Um, to answer your first question, yes, he should absolutely be there. I mean, he has a, in the biggest games of them all in PGA in, and in the golf world, right? He has a second place finish and a first place finish. You can't really get much better than that. Truthfully. Um, and how can you not leave him off the Ryder cup team? I mean, you know, when, when push comes to shove, the lights are on books, cap poster most times and not, and the Ryder Cup's one of the biggest stages, you know, in the golf world, right? Um, honestly, it's probably maybe even second or third behind the Masters, right? So it, it's right there with the with the shining of the lights, and I think Brooks should be there. Brooks, no questions about it, should be there. But I don't even know why we're talking about the Ryder Cup and him being in it or not. The only reason we're having this conversation right now is because he would live. It's inexcusable, truthfully, in my opinion. We shouldn't even be having that discussion, right? It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter whether you're in the PGA or the live in that case scenario. You're representing your country and what you want to have is the best golfers out there for your for the you know for your country at that point. We shouldn't be having a discussion because this guy plays for live versus this guy plays for the PGA versus this guy plays for this tour and that tour. It doesn't matter. You know, if he if he's a competitor and he's winning matches and he's winning majors or he's winning tournaments, he should be on the, you know, he should be on the uh the Ryder Cup team, plain and simple. I I wholeheartedly agree. I, I got to stop agreeing with me. I don't like this shit. I, I, well, I mean, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? I mean, at this point, like what you nailed it on the head. I don't even need to say anymore, honestly. I, now, the, on the flip side with Roy, I didn't hear his statement 100 percent. And you, you might be able to say it a little bit more. Sure. Detailed reason. So essentially, he's saying if you're on the European tour or you're on you're in live, you shouldn't be on. The European Ryder Cup. So the the European golfers on live should not be on the team, but Brooks should be on the U.S. team. See, I disagree with that because it's the same instance as I'm saying for Brooke, right? If you're winning tournaments and you're winning majors or you're doing well majors or you're doing well in, you know, anything else outside and you're from Europe and you have a shot, like you should be on the team. Live shouldn't be holding you back there in that case. Yeah, so here's the quote. Okay. Um, I certainly think Brooks deserved to be on the United States team, but I have different feelings about the European team and the other side and sort of how that all has all transpired. And yeah, I don't think any of those guys should be part of the European team. End quote. I, Yeah, like, I disagree with that because then you're – you're kind of contradicting yourself, right? Like Brooks are saying, yeah, Brooks is great. So he should be on the American side. But like, what if such and such from England was good on, you know, your side, like Poulter, right? What if Poulter comes out and shoots amazing at the, at the, um, at the U S open in the open. I don't know if he's in the, actually in the U S open, but I know for sure he's probably gonna be in the open. And what right. if he goes down and shoots well in those two matches? And what are you going to say? He's not going to allow to be on like that. That wouldn't make any sense. That's that would be my counter argument towards that, Dad. Oh, I think it's extremely hypocritical, but I think his argument is warranted based off of results from European players at in the live tournaments. I'm that would be my only 
guess from a devil's advocate perspective is that he's going based off of results, not just um, saying that it's a live thing. But then the quote also kind of says, though, how it all transpired. So it's kind of like a gray area of, of interpretation. Okay. Okay. So we're not getting the full story then a little bit. Oh, I think he he, get, he gave us just a taste of what he thinks, but didn't like go totally in depth with it, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, it makes sense. I mean, but like you said, he's, you know, he's kind of contradicting himself a little bit. And that's what I truthfully think. So, so I do got to ask as a amateur golfer here. Oh, shut the up. Okay. <laughs> what are you shooting on that course after watching it? Oh, 125, if I'm lucky. Okay, because um, the caddy of Joel Damon went to play the day after of the PGA Championship, and he is a .1 handicap, okay? So almost a scratch golfer, right? Sure. I don't know. Did you see this or no? No, I did not see this. Talk to me. Okay, what would you think he would have shot? Par 72, of course. Almost damn near scratch golfer, so. On that course, with that those conditions, I'm going to go with something in the low 80s, like an 83. Very close. It was 84. He shot. He set the over-under at 85, shot 84. Um, obviously, had a couple bogeys. Obviously, had a couple parts. I think he did have a double even. Um, but he said, he goes, I, I don't know how they really did it. The, the biggest difference is essentially like you hitting into the greens and trying to stop the ball. Like he just goes, there's there was no shot for me to like stop the ball, um. But he had to excel at his chipping, like you know, around the greens, keeping mm-hmm. it close. Um. I mean, he said the of course the greens are quick, right? Like we kind of all expected that. But he said a lot of it's like the irons and the and the you know eighty or hundred yard shots in. That was the most difficult part. And then besides that, with the rough, he goes, he goes. Whenever you were in the rough, you essentially were taking a stroke off at that point. So I'm just pitching you had out. to find fairways. Yeah. Um, no, 125 would be, I would be ecstatic if I shot 125. Sure. I, I, I think what's your, what's your number? You think you can do it? Break it hundred. I think a hundred. Like if you put it at the hundred, I would like to see if I could do it. Okay. Right. Like distance wise, it's long, man. I mean, it was like 71 hundred yards. So it's a long ways. I agree. Um, I can definitely hit the ball pretty far though. It's just a matter of fact of me keeping it in the fairway would be the most difficult part for me. I yeah. think because if I, as soon as I, I'm going to be in the rough more majority of not, I'm going to be hacking it out. I'm going to try to use my forearms. Like there's no tomorrow and it just doesn't happen. But, uh, but yeah, I want to see what you kind of thought you would shoot. So you said 125. I got a hundred. Um, but yeah, they did have a guy that went out there. was It was a damn near scratch golfer shot 84. So. Yeah. I can only, I know I'm not good at golf as an amateur golfer. I will openly admit that (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah that was good but let's kind of stay in that northeast area here huh rochester new york we're gonna hop over a state or two we're gonna head over to uh the game seven massachusetts boston versus the miami heat wow what a series man i mean you want to talk about a series of all series miami goes up 3-0 and you might think it's over, right? A sweep is going to happen. Jimmy Buckets is out there doing the timeout to Al Horford to get him, huh? 
But then the Celtics turn around and go, hey, three straight right back of you. Bang, bang, bang. It's like we're in a boxer's match. Boom, boom, boom. You get the first couple of rounds. I get the second couple of rounds. And you come to the last round. And in Boston it is. And the Miami Heat go, no, 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 not today. We ain't making history today, boys. So Jimmy Buckets takes over a little bit. The team plays well. They win by 20 points. And the only team still to come back from 3-0 in Boston, I'm saying in Boston, ladies and gentlemen, is the Boston Red Sox and Johnny Damon said it best on the video 20 minutes after the Boston Celtics loss. Incredible video. Make sure you go check it out if you haven't already. <laughs> he literally posted the video 20 minutes after the Celtics loss. It was, it was outstanding work by him. Um, but yeah. Blaine, what did you think? I mean, hell of a series, both ways, three games, three games, comes down to game seven. Shouldn't have probably even been there, but it was. And Miami Heat pulled through. What did you think about that, man? Other than, like, I'm a prophet and you guys, you and Marcus owe me an apology because you guys went Lakers-Celtics and I went against the curve. And you know what? Both of my teams are in the finals, you know, because you guys are all about the legacy instead of the game of basketball. <laughs> right. You're right. I'm not going to apologize, though. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was really banking on that because <laughs> I know Marcus will not apologize. At no. all. Go check he out Marcus. Not. Go talk with Marcus. Great stuff. But he rips me a new one. So, um, but no, I think this is if we actually really reflect on these last two postseasons of the Boston Celtics, when you're an under 500 team at home, that's a problem in the postseason. You were supposed to, home court's supposed to mean something. And when it comes to the Boston Celtics, it is meaningless. 11 and 12 in these last two postseasons at home. You lose three out of your four games in this series at home. There are zero excuses when it comes to that. None whatsoever. From a Miami Heat perspective, I mean, the series was fantastic. Honestly, I had it over. I mean, my prediction was six, but I thought it was going to be a sweep. I really did. Game if If Jason Tatum didn't show up in game four, it was a sweep. Right. And Jimmy Butler had had a little bit of a lull through that series in games four and five really didn't perform really at all. And then when it came down to game seven, I I mean. Good for the Miami Heat. I mean, I still had I was still going to roll with my guns and Miami was going to somehow win this win that game on. I think what it was now Sunday now. Right. Or Monday. I can't remember Sunday Um... or Monday. Monday because Monday. Sorry. Yeah, Monday, because they played Saturday in game six where Derek yeah, White. Right. Monday it was Monday, yep. But Boston threw away game six. Like, if it wasn't for the ball literally going one spot, that would have hurt the Miami Heat. Derek White does not get a tip in, and the game series was over in six. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then in game seven, Jason Tatum hurt rolls his ankle on the very first play of the game. And if you watch that game at all, he could not do anything. Mm-hmm. Couldn't move. You, he was powering through, but you could tell if it was not game seven, there was elimination. Jason Tatum is not on that basketball court. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I agree. And Jalen Brown, 
absolutely atrocious. That was his moment. Tatum gets hurt. Jalen Brown, take us to the promised land and get us over the hump. You want to be an alpha dog? Prove it right here. And one of nine from three. Eight turnovers, like you said. As soon as you knew he was going left, you knew the ball was going to be turned over. Every time he went left, turnover, turnover, turnover. And then Caleb Martin, the unsung hero, and honestly, my Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Sorry, I mean, I love me some Jimmy Buckets, but Caleb Martin was the most in- – if you're going – this is what I hate about the MVP. If you're going based off most valuable player in a series, Caleb Martin was the most valuable player in that series for the Miami Heat. Without question. And Jimmy Butler was fantastic in the series. But Caleb Martin was the most valuable player, and he showed up in the most important moment. And Jimmy Butler took them home in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't even a game. It wasn't even a game through the second quarter. So, But, but yeah, great series. I I mean, I loved every second of it. It kept, honestly, the NBA really engaged because if Miami sweeps them, you're going a week and a half without a game because they don't change the final schedule or move it up or anything like that. It's a set date, whether they're there or not, because they're planning for a game seven in every situation. So. Yeah, it was, it was incredible stuff. I truthfully, like you said, I think Caleb, Caleb Martin should have actually won the uh, finals MVP. Um, I think it's more of a popularity award uh, a little bit more truthfully in that. Um, But he played well. I thought Duncan Robinson actually had a couple good games out the mound and a couple of bad games, but um, he had a lot of threes. But I just go back to, like, how good the Miami Heat is with, like, picking up kind of undrafted guys or second-round guys and developing them. And, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, Tyler Hero might be coming back, honestly, in game three or game four, I heard. But you're talking about, like, three guys that are – or four guys that are almost identical to each other, right? Duncan Robinson – Max Strews, Tyler Hero, Gabe Vincent, like guys that can just bang home threes, truthfully enough. Um, and that's just what it is. And then, you know, on the, and then you also, you, of course, you got Jimmy Buckets. Then you got Bam down low. You got Kevin Love, good, savvy vet. Same thing with Kyle Lowry. Oh, speaking about, hold up. While we're on this, Kyle Lowry, I just had this discussion. Kyle Lowry or Chauncey Billups, who would you rather want career-wise? I know, I'm sorry, it's very off topic here, but I just had this discussion too. It was wild. Unbelievable stuff. Chauncey's got two, right? No, one. Oh, that's right. That Pistons team lost in the finals that other year. Yeah. Wow. Shit. You know, I'm actually going to say Kyle Lowry because he, because this is my argument. He pretty much... I mean, it was Kawhi's championship, but a legacy from a legacy standpoint, you took a bunch. You made a country of that is known for ice hockey and lacrosse, and made it a basketball country for that year of basketball. Like, yeah, like that, like that in and of itself. I don't have to say anymore. Like. You made Canada basketball oriented right there. Like, 
So the only big kicker here is this right now. If Miami Heat does win this series, he obviously would have more championships. I mean, this one, but he doesn't have right as much as he did with the Toronto one. But if he wins this one, he'll have one up on Chauncey. But Chauncey does have a finals MVP. And he does have a couple all NBA teams where Kyle Lowry doesn't. So you've got a couple other things you have to consider for Chauncey. But we were, me and my one buddy were having a discussion about this. And I was like, I'm like, nah, dude. He was like, dude, Chauncey by a million. I'm like, I don't know if it's that close. Like, I think it's a lot closer. I think Kyle Lowry is a player, right? He's I mean, a baller, man. Yeah, He's a winger, but, too. Yeah. And if you look at his stats, like points wise, they're almost identical. Rebounds, of course, Kyle Lowry's going to have more. I mean, Jesus Christ, he's got the nicest ass in the NBA. And then, <laughs> then on then on the assist side, like it's pretty damn close, too. So, like, I mean, it Kyle Lowry's right there. Like, a lot of people don't give respect to Kyle Lowry, unfortunately, right? Um, because he's moved around the league a lot, finally found a home in Toronto, was able to win, but kind of won on truthfully on the back of Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, people don't want to give him the respect when respects do, but he's a player, man, and uh, probably is going to be a Hall of Famer when he retires, um, plain and simple, unfortunately. But, yeah, I, sorry to get off topic there, but I was having that discussion. So, I mean, uh, would you – I think you. I think he's the most important Heat player in this on that roster, though, from a leadership perspective. I mean, Jimmy Butler might be the – leader on the court but to bring that veteran leadership and that championship mentality i think he's more important than kevin love is i would it's say kyle, third. honestly it's, it's, I would say kyle, third. it's kyle lowry down the stretch of games kind of dictating what is going to be played i mean he's just get, it's going through jimmy butler the plays but kyle lowry is the quarterback on the floor when it matters most yeah, I mean, that's a little different than the way. But the first way you said it, though, you said like savvy vet, you know, giving him the leadership. No, I actually think Kyle Lowry would be third then. Truthfully. Who? Kevin Love in Butler. front of him. You would put K-Love on. K-Love can't even get on the court right now. Kevin Love's above him. And the other man don't even see the court. Udonis Haslam. Don't forget about Big UD now. Come on now. Don't forget about Udonis. I I love me some UD, but UD is making no impact on this team whatsoever. He's making <laughs> no. You know he's making an impact, right? Like you know he's making the only, that's the only reason he's there, right? They gotta be. He's gotta have an impact on him. He's gotta get these guys up, you know, ready to rock and roll for games like this, right? I, if I'm right. not mistaken, I think Udonis Hamilton made like seven finals out of the last twenty or something like that. Something wild. I saw a stat with, which is unbelievable, but. Um. Yeah. I, no. I think I don't think Kyle. I think he'd be third. Right, but like, right. the way you're saying it, the second way you put it, yes, he's he's gonna handle the ball a little bit more. You know, you're not wrong. So, yeah, um. Fair. Oh, so ball. So we gotta go back to Boston and Miami here. Um, <laughs> hell of a series. Yeah, of course, hell of a series. Great for Boston or great for uh, Miami to pull it back out and uh, move on to the finals. But question to revert right back to like. Yeah. What? Where does Boston go from here? I mean, you gotta you. The new CBA kind of screws them over really fast, right? You gotta be saying, you gotta be willing to pay Jalen Brown fifty five million dollars a year. Yeah. Yeah. And so then Jalen, are you are you looking to trade him potentially this offseason? Are you looking to try to keep the core and maybe I add a couple players? 
I think you keep the duo. You keep Brown and Tatum. Okay. If Brown is willing to understand, I think Brett, he's starting to understand that he's the number two guy, right? But you also have to remember, these guys are 26 and 25, respectively. They're not even in the primes of their career yet, if you're looking at it from a basketball perspective. And they've been to, what is it, five conference finals and one NBA finals? I think it's something yeah, I think Tatum ridiculous. in his career has been to three, I know. So something ridiculous like that. Yep. I mean, but you can't blow it up. Like I think they need to, I think their core, not their core, their rotation players around them might I think you should switch that up. You keep Brogdon because Brogdon was hurt, so you didn't really get his value at all in that series. But if you're looking at it from a perspective of Al Horford, I'm probably letting walk. I think Robert Williams is more of a focal point moving forward just because of his impact on the court. Do you look at Marcus Smart potentially? That's I think that's a warranted conversation. He is the heart and soul of that team, but they need another play they need a playmaker on the ball from the point guard position. Is it at so, the point where maybe you move Brogdon to the starting role and maybe Smart off the bench? I don't. I don't think Brogdon's enough of a playmaker with the ball. Okay. I truthfully, I think Al Horford is walking. I mean, if I was a ball Celtics, I'm shipping him off. And you need to either find like a literally a spot up power forward shooter, you know, and 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 potentially a solid defensive player. I mean, I know a lot of people are looking for that. I get that, but you know, there was a lot of missed threes from Al Horford. Al Horford went quiet in games where you didn't even hear from him one of six, you know, on from the field or something like that. That's unacceptable. You can't be playing like that. Um, so I think they need to move on from there. I agree. I think Robert Williams needs to be more of a center role player. I mean, not role player, but center full time, um, not coming off the bench in that case. And I, you know, I, and you got to give credit. What's the head coach for Celtics? I always forget his name. Joe Missoula. Joe Missoula. Yeah. Yes, it's his rookie year. You know, I thought he did pretty decent enough. Yes, he did have some rookie mistakes. It happens, right? Come on, Joe. Eric Spolstra took him to school. He did. I I completely agree. But you also realize he, he, as a head coach, he did have him to the Eastern Conference Finals and then brought them back down three. Like, down three was impressive. But that, that's, that's not on Missoula's coaching, though. That is because Jimmy Butler didn't show up. And Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had a couple solid games as a duo. I don't think, I mean, I don't think coaching made an impact from a Joe Mazzulla's perspective because he openly admitted after game two that he had lost the locker room. Openly admitted it, man. Like, I don't know how you can sit. I don't think he should. I think he should come back. I agree. I, I think well, from yeah. a from Brad a rookie, well, he's, said he's coming back. Well, so. well, yeah. Well, thanks for that. Appreciate you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, when it comes to Missoula, you don't let him go, right? He's a rookie head coach. He went through the rook learning curve, and he got taken to school by arguably probably the. T- you can make the argument he's the best coach in basketball in Eric Spolstra. Um, and he right now he's probably. If Popovich wasn't still coaching, he'd be my number one um, in the NBA. But if if you, this team was so talented and coaching comes down to being able to make adjustments, 
This is not the zone that the Heat threw out there was not something he didn't see. They saw the exact same zone the year before in the finals, and yet he did not make a single adjustment, and he just let his players fling up threes. Fling them up, and they were atrocious. That's got to be on the coach to dictate, I need you guys to attack the basket. If it's attack the basket and you get an open three, that's another story. The Miami Heat are the best closeout three team in basketball when it comes to closeout and making it a contested three when you think it's an open look. They need he needs to, he needed to put put his foot down as the head coach and say get the ball to the basket because it's not him coaching the star players right star players it's him coaching those role guys that are around the stars the stars will usually rise to the occasion because they don't need to be put in that moment saying i need to fire you up it's game six or game seven we're on elimination no it's how do you get the role guys involved and i think he failed to do that in this series yeah but like you're also saying this right you said the Miami Heat are one of the best closeout threes, right? But Boston's team is specifically made for shooting threes. They don't have a back down center or big man, right? Tatum is literally their only one. Brown to an extent, but Brown isn't a big man that does that. He's going to sit at the free throw line and do that. Tatum's slightly the only one to actually do that, I guess, per se, right? But then as soon as you start running pick and rolls, Bantam out of bios is a pretty good defensive center and is kind of like similar to Joel Embiid. So why wouldn't you try to have them shoot the three, right? But they were missing it this series in most games and not. Um, so I, yes, you are right. You know, he should have, he should have made the changes, but when he did, and that's why Spolstra is also one of the best head coaches because he can make these in game changes. Um, I, I don't blame the loss on him though. Oh no, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, like, I think game seven. I, got, I, like think, I think it was definitely more the Heat winning than the Celtics losing the series. Yeah, like, but, I think it was just an unfortunate event on game seven with Tatum rolling his ankle at that point, and then it was just a shit show from there. That's fair. Do you, if Tatum roll, doesn't roll his ankle, do you think Boston pulls it off? No, I still yeah. think Boston loses that game. Because Boston <laughs> looked like they were deer in headlights that entire game. Yes, I agree with you. I agree. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought Boston, Boston, I, you know, coming in the series, that's why I picked them. I thought they were the better team. And honestly, they were the better team. But, you know, when Miami Heat plays for more heart, more soul, like, you know, they're they're going and diving for the 50-50 balls, or, you know, getting better rebounds, this, that, and the other thing. And just the movement of Spolstra, the way he creates that offense, you know, I think it was during game two, just the movement. Everybody's moving. Whoever yeah. doesn't have the balls moving. I'm like, wow, this is what an offense looks at coming from a 76ers fan because everything's <laughs> stagnant. So you um, like, Hey, you like Nick nurse? Give a quick little Nick nurse. hire. you like that or not? Yeah. I mean, he was my top two. He was in my top two head coaches to get when we signed him. I was, I was happy with it. I'm cool with it. Um, he definitely has a lot of pros, of course, right? Like, you know, does have that championship pedigree in the background, right? Is able to maybe get guys to work with him. Um, I mean, I always just hated him because I hated Toronto so much. Um, because they just like kept beating up on the Sixers. I'm like, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I was I was happy with the with the signing. I think he's doing well for it. Hopefully he even gets Joel and B to another level. Um 
I, but it all, it, it's all going to come down to what's Harden doing. If Harden leaves or Harden stays, like that's essentially what the Sixers, uh, um, future looks like essentially. So, but yeah, good signing for them. Good signing for them. Um, so yeah, so let's, so let's look up to that's obviously crazy. the other, the other series we'll talk about. I'll talk in 10 seconds. Denver Nuggets blew out the Lakers. Lakers almost won game four, but they didn't. And they booked their trip to Cancun as early as they possibly could. So now we're moving on to the NBA Finals preview. We got the Denver Nuggets, Jokic versus uh, Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know, actually, is it one versus eight seed? I guess it would be, huh? Yeah, one versus yeah, eight. Yeah, one versus, one versus an eight. Um, uh, first time since 99 when San Antonio kind of took the Knicks to school mm. in that last time, Spurs one and five. Okay. What looks you, like uh, Nuggets are Nuggets are up. Looks like yeah, I'm trying to see the score here. Got it pulled up. Nuggets up eleven right now, early in the second. Well, that ain't good. Okay. Um, because I that change is that does that change your pick? Uh, well, you no, put a, did you did you take Miami to win game one? I took Miami plus the points, and I am nine. So yeah, I took. Oh, Miami. I'll take. I would take him against the points. I like that. Yeah, I took him with the nine. Um. Blake, what are you thinking, man? I mean, you're the one that you picked them to, right? So now they're here. So now you got to pick and choose which one you want here. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some Jimmy Buckets, but I've been on this show and other shows, and we can roll the tape. I am all in on the Denver Nuggets. I have been since the playoffs kind of started. Um, as even being a Warriors fan, I thought the Denver Nuggets were the favorite over us. Um, so I'm taking the Denver Nuggets. I think it's gonna, ah, uh, man, I don't want to I think game, I don't think game one really matters in this series. I think Denver should coming off a week and a half, basically. And Miami coming off of short rest, then have to go to altitude. I would not be surprised if Denver kind of wins this pretty solid and Miami maybe covers towards the end of the game. Um, but then I think game two totally dictates how this series is going to go, right? Sure. I've got Denver in five because if you look at this postseason, how Denver's played, Minnesota got a game because Anthony Edwards – had a monster game. It hit a freaking, basically a game winner to force overtime. And then Minnesota rode that wave to get them to overtime, right? You look at the Phoenix series, Devin Booker had to shoot 85% from the field in two games and average 45. And KD had to average 29 for them to win two games in that series. Otherwise, it was pretty much Denver night in, night out. And then... Like you kind of said in 10 seconds, uh, a Denver sweep. LeBron had one great game. And, I mean, Denver swept him, and AD actually played a great series. But the Joker and Jamal Murray were just that great. Yep. So I'm taking Denver in five. I'm rolling with the Nuggets. They're the most complete team in basketball. They've got the most depth. And I think the bench is going to be the difference in this series. I like Denver's bench better than Miami's. 
Yeah, I'm gonna. Unfortunately, I'm gonna be on this train right with you. I think it's Denver in five as well. I think I think Miami steals one either game two or game three somewhere in that ballpark. But I think Denver's just too much, too hot to handle right now. The starting lineup is loaded. You know, on the Denver side versus the uh, Miami Heat. Um, you know, the only way I think Miami gets a kind of a win, truthfully, is one game they shoot lights out behind the arc. Like, that's the only thing I can really think. Like, Struess has a game. Um, Vince, you know, has another huge game. Same thing with um, maybe Tyler Hero comes back, gets him a little juice, hits a couple threes. Like, I just think that's the only way that's going to be able to happen. Um, but even then, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Jamal Murray and Jokic duo right now is one of the best in the business, and they're playing out of their mind. And like you said, the bench is, you know, it's kind of not day and night, but Denver's got some players at least coming off that bench to help them score to rock and play a little defense too. Um, well, some of Denver's bench guys would start anywhere else. Yeah. Yep. Um, I like, don't wanna... in, like, well, look at this. Reggie Jackson is on that roster. He does not play. And he was a regular starter in anywhere else in the NBA probably. Yep. Or at least a major contributor. That just says a lot right there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm looking now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it, it, we'll see. I mean, I mean, Denver's, Denver starting, Denver starting five is truthfully hands down should beat Miami's starting five hands down, plain and simple. Right. But, um, like I said, the only way I think Miami pulls something out is if they shoot lights out behind the arc and, uh, you know, that's it. And I think I think you gotta go. Jokic is gonna win NBA finals, um, or NBA MVP finals, excuse me. Um, I think that's the only way that's gonna really happen, unless Jamal Murray has some incredible games. I think he maybe could slide in there as well. Yeah. But I think it's only just one of them too. I don't think it, nobody else is really gonna have a shot. That's fair. Um, question for you outside of the main three names in this series with Butler, Murray, and the Joker, who would be your X factor of impact in this series? Um, it's a good question. That is a very good question. Um, you know, sometimes I do my job right on this show. <laughs> if I've stumped you, I've actually really done my job. <laughs> I because like I, I have two guys, right? Like I'm having two guys in my head, and one is Michael Porter Jr. Um, because okay. if he does shoot lights out from three, like he could be an absolute game changer. But I don't think it's enough to like win them, win Denver a game. Like I think Denver's gonna win the game based on Jamal Murray and based on. Jokic's skill, right? Sure. But Miami Heat side, though, I'm thinking is 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 Gary Vincent. You know, he's able to go out and drop 28, 29 like he did last series and kind of win them, you know, essentially hold Butler up and win them the game, right? So I would right. have to say Gary Vincent, I think, truthfully enough. So no, I like that. I think that's a good pick. Or Gabe Vincent. I'm sorry. Why do I keep saying Gary? Gabe Vincent. I apologize. <laughs> Gabe Vincent. Yeah, no, I think that's a smart one. I think you kind of nailed it on the head there when it comes to Denver. Like, their duo is going to get theirs. It's just so either way. So, you know, Denver is going to be in the game either for the most part. 
I think I'm kind of fascinated um, by, but like from, like you said, from Miami, I've kind of want to see if Bam Adebayo is going to show up because he was, he was not present from game four to game seven in that Boston series. He was just a body out there. He if really was. If there's a series to do it, it's this series for him because Jokic is a terrible defender. So yeah. Bam should be able to get his. Get his. It's going to be. His impact is going to be. How much of an impact is he going to be on the defensive side of the floor for him, though? Because mm-hmm. 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 I think he will actually be a solid scorer in this series because, like you said, the Joker is not the greatest defender. So, yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. All right, let's uh, let's switch gears a little bit here. I know we got NHL uh, Stanley Cup talk and um, quick Florida pick. Panthers, just yeah, Florida Panthers are in it versus the uh, Las Vegas Knights. Um, Panthers sliding in. They're kind of reminding me of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers back in the day, coming down from three zero. Just a team that's coming in hot. You know what I mean? Just ready. Oh, to go. Insane. Wasn't, wasn't being anticipated at all to be there. And then you got Las Vegas Knights, man. I mean. Phew, what do you say? They're a good team, plain and simple. Um, we'll see. What do you what do you think is gonna go on here at the Stanley Cup? I think this series is gonna be great. Yeah. I really do. If you look That's at it. that cop, conf- no, well, like, <laughs> let's look at it, right? The conference finals for both sides. If you're looking at because Vegas won in six, Florida swept, right? Carolina. So out of those 10 games, five of them went to overtime. So you know all four of these teams are extremely evenly matched. Well, now it's down to two. So I would – I've got – I am riding this Florida Panthers miracle train. I really am. I have Florida in six. They have actually played better on the road than they have at home, which is mind-blowing. And, I mean, Kepka brought the PGA Championship there two out of the three nights last week, so you got to go there, too. Brought the cup, was drinking out of it. Come on now. <laughs> um, but I, I like Florida. I think um, biggest uh, player in this series is going to be Matthew Tuchuk. He was monstrous in the conference final series, had – I think three out of the four game winners for Florida sweep. So he's definitely there. The fuel and the engine of this Panthers squad. Who do you got? Um, I, I mean, both got great goalies, you know, the goalie confidence here on both sides of the ball. I mean, both sides of the puck. Jesus. I don't even know. What <laughs> both sides of the puck here. I mean, you know, great. You can see we do not talk about hockey much. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, great, great there. I, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna ride with the Florida Panthers there. I mean, I like I like Florida. I don't know too much about hockey. Never been to Vegas, so I'll go with the Florida Panthers. Um, you know, they were a team that I played with an NHL faceoff in like 03. They were a terrible team, man. I loved playing against them because I scored like 10 goals. But you know, I'm glad to see them bounce back after 20 years. You know, from playing NHL faceoff 03. So I'm glad to see them bounce back and make it to the uh, Stanley Cup. And, uh, yeah, I'm room for him, you know, just because the team was terrible back in 03. So, well, hell of a bounce back for him. Um, Fun fact, though, because both of these teams have never won the Cup, new name's going to be on the trophy this year. 
good for them. I mean, Las Vegas only has been relevant for what four years. So I mean, I don't yeah, know. but you know, I'm just trying to make Florida feel better about their misery <laughs> for the last 20 years with your yeah. NHL video game. Okay. Exactly. 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 <laughs> um, Blade, out of the four major trophies, right, that you win, which one do you think is the best one design-wise? Okay, Lombardi Trophy, NBA Finals Trophy, the Stanley Cup. What's the fourth one? World Series. Oh, World Series Trophy. Man, I really love that World Series Trophy. It's just unique, man. It really is. I think that I think I think it's really I think it's just cool. Okay. I mean, this if uh, I mean the Stanley Cup one probably has more value based off of being the biggest and like that thing apparently weighs like a crap load. But the way the World Series one looks is just fan- fantastic. So unorthodox. I love it. I agree. I agree. Um, I like that. Um, I'm 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 gonna have to go to Lombardi Trophy. I mean, it's just got it's got a football on it. Right, and you can hold it. It looks incredible. You're so, you're you so traditional, man. You're man. so traditional. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I got to go. How with. would you rank them? Where would you rank them? That's a good question. And I would probably. I think the bat NBA is actually has the worst trophy. I agree. Um, NFL, um, Stanley Cup, baseball, and then uh, NBA Finals. That's what I think. Yeah. And I would go baseball, hockey, NFL, basketball. Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, before we wrap this up, we got one last news. DeAndre Hopkins has been released from the Arizona Cardinals. I know we got yeah. a big Arizona Cardinals fan listener here um, as well. Yeah, organization sucks. Uh, terrible organization. It's it's probably worse than – it's a worse feeling than losing 28-3 to in the Super Bowl, truthfully enough. Oh yeah, uh, without question. Not even close. Yeah. Um disappointment since, you know, Kyler Murray's gonna want out probably in the next year or two. And then we're just gonna be running the same train right back in Arizona and going from there. But yeah, DeAndre Hopkins leaving the desert in Arizona. Blake, talk a little bit about Arizona and their um terrible, terrible organization. But then also let's get a little discussion about DeAndre Hopkins, where potentially you would like him to go and where you may think he goes. Yeah, um, when it comes to the Cardinals, uh, you could ar- obviously make the argument that they are the, one of the worst-ran organizations in, not just in the NFL, but in sports. Like the way they've handled, especially like three out of these last four years with these situations, with everything with COVID in Arizona, the whole Kyler Murray contract deal, and then. It's not like the team wasn't performing for outside of last year, right? The two years before that, they were in playoff contention and they just continued to lay fat eggs. You hire a coach in Cliff Kingsbury who obviously didn't deserve the job in the first place. We all know this. The man couldn't even, wasn't even relevant in college football and he somehow got the Arizona Cardinals job because he had a relationship with Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray is too busy playing COD. Um, and trying to snipe some folks, then understanding how to put the game of football works from a defensive standpoint. And, you know, he struggles in that regard. But there's also been some reports. Joe, Joe and I talked about it a little bit off air that like a bunch of players have come out, like several players have come out and said the Arizona Cardinals are just one of the worst ran organizations. 
And when you have players openly admitting that, you're in a world of trouble. Because most players, especially even if they're in a bad spot, they'll keep their mouths shut for the betterment of the game and the betterment of the brand that is the NFL. But they couldn't care less when it comes to these Arizona Cardinals. They have owner issues. They've had GM issues. They've The organization needs to just be blown up entirely and maybe just be relocated. That might be a better option. Just say, all right, clean slate. But where are you going to go, right? So um, I think the biggest thing now for Arizona is that you need to show some promise this year. Or if not, you blow up the whole thing because you're arguably going to potentially have the number one and number two pick next year because you're going to have Houston's pick. There is a very strong chance that you're going to have the top two picks, and that's where you go, all right, Kyler, we've had enough of your crap. We're rebuilding this, and we're starting from square one. We're bringing in Caleb Williams. We're bringing in Marvin Harrison Jr., right? And we're setting ourselves up for success down the road. Um. But it's not like, and then if you look at it from a football perspective, they haven't been great offensively in that running gun, right? They never were. You land a coach that really kind of was not really looked at as a head coaching candidate in what Shane is it Shane Steichen? Is that how you say it, right? Yeah, but he he was definitely looked at as a head coaching candidate definitely. after this because he had a good year in Philly this year. He was not one of the candidates. A consistent no. candidate in last, recent years. Last, Hasn't he? The, the year before he was. Yep. Was he? Okay. He was I will, I will, eat, I will eat my words, Arizona Cardinals fans, okay? <laughs> I don't like him. Like I don't think I don't, he's a, I don't I don't think he's a good fit for that team either. And the I mean and the team just continues to just draft players that do not fit their scheme at all on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. I don't know. That's just from a football standpoint. D-Hop, on the D-Hop perspective, that's just a nut of a, another nutshell is that everyone knows that Arizona is so bad of an organization that they were – that they, nobody gave D-Hop a market to trade. Mm-hmm. They were just like, Arizona was going to let – like there were some things from multiple GMs saying that if no one was going to offer for D-Hop because everyone figured Arizona would cut him anyway because they knew he would not stay. Yep. Like yep. – so now if you look from DeAndre Hopkins, still a top five wide receiver in this game of football when he's on the football field. Um, yeah, he wants to go to a winner, right? A team that's going to win now and where he's going to play. He wants to play with an elite quarterback. So where does that lie you, right? It leaves you with pretty much most of the teams at the front have been the Cowboys, the Chiefs, Buffalo. Um. I think the Jets have been in the conversation a little bit now with Rodgers moving over there. If I were DeAndre Hopkins, man, it's a lot to think about. I would probably, I'd probably lean towards Kansas City just because you know they don't have a number one option at the wide receiver position. I mean, Travis Kelsey's there. You can credit that as a number one wide receiver, but I'm thinking more a traditional number one on the outside and go play with the elite Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Um, 
where do I think he goes? I don't know if he goes to a team like Kansas City or Buffalo because truthfully, I don't think they're going to have the cap for him. I think that's the first issue. So that's my reason why there. But I would keep an eye on a team like New England or the Giants, per se, that like truthfully need a wide receiver one. Uh, more like more the Giants more than anything, not the Pats, but because at least then they did make the playoffs. If they'd get a true wide receiver one, like that propels the Giants up more. I don't think this puts them over the top, but um, where I want him to go is the Cleveland Browns, though. I want him Why? to go back with Deshaun Watson and reminisce the old days. And have the Cleveland Browns back ready to go. That's what I want. That's what I want to happen, though. I would love for um, I want him to go to Baltimore. I don't think he would fit well with Lamar. You don't think so? Mm, no, I don't really think. I don't think so. Truthfully. Yeah, that's my two cents. That's what I think about it. It's uh I don't think I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is a top five wide receiver anymore. Personally, I don't think he is. I think he's a top 15 wide receiver. You wouldn't uh, even put him in the top 10. Dude, there's a lot of good wide receivers now. I don't think you realize that. I Look, and I'm a big DeAndre Hopkins guy. I was huge, but like. Wow. You want me to name 10? I probably can name it pretty quick, actually. All right, Ryan, fly it off real quick for yourself. Justin Jefferson. Well, duh. Jamar Chase. All right. Um, Tyreek Hill, I'll help you out. Yes, thank you. Ty, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs. Okay, where's he go? AFC. I hold. On. I gotta go through divisions for me because that's how I think in my head. Nobody in the South. AFC West. Who we got out there? Boom. No. You putting Keenan? Devontae Adams. Devonte Adams. Okay. This is five. Um, who else is out in the West that I'm missing? Nobody from the Chargers. I would still take Hopkins over them. AFC North, we said that. We said, said that. AFC East. Yeah, we said oh, that. You, 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 did, you did Diggs. Yeah, Diggs. So it's, five, it's still five. All right, NFC East. I would take AJ Brown over him. Really? I would take CD Lamb over him. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. CD? Yeah, I'd take both of them over them. Okay. Um, I would take, I would take Mike Evans over him. I would take, I would take DK Metcalf over him. I would take Debo Samuel over him. Um, I'll take Cooper Cup over him. Where's that? Does that put you at 10 or is that 9? We're, we're at least at 10. 10 or 11. Not even go to the AFC. And the NFC North, I already said Jay Jet. And then, no, not DJ Moore. Not nobody That's... from the Packers. And who else am I missing? Oh, the Lions. Ooh, Amon's playing good ball, though, man. Mm. That's a tough one. Amon's tough for me. But I, like I said, like he's top 15, but I don't think he's top 10 anymore. All right. And there's um, a lot of people that I kind I would, of I would, I would probably take him over AJ Brown. I would take him over Devo Samuel. 
Okay. Um, I would probably put him, I think after you rounded him off, I probably have him at six or seven. So I will. You're a lot higher on him than me because I'm not, I'm not as high. I'm, my man, he's got the best hands in ball. He does, but like the separation isn't there anymore. The speed that doesn't, down the field it doesn't isn't matter. There you just have to throw the ball up to him because he never had speed when he came out of college. He was a. You're right, but he had some separation on guys. He can't get separation anymore now. Still the best contested catcher in, of a ball and bat in the NFL, in my opinion. I just don't think he's top 10 no more, man. I, I <laughs> to agree to disagree, I guess. Yeah, maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll get in some NFL discussion next week because, you know, it's going to be dead after the finals get done. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, Nuggets up early right now. They're up at the half at the game one. By this time it comes You're, out. You better be banking on a big Miami second half at this I'm point. I'm looking for a big Miami second half. Max Struess going to have a hell of a second half, I hope, because he's 0 for 6 from 3 right now. Oh, is, uh, he, or is he the other one that you put something on? Uh, I just had him make a 3 or 2, maybe maybe 4. I don't know. You know, it is. Oh! Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so maybe fun. we'll uh so next week we'll be back at it. Uh no questions asked. We're not skipping. We're not we're not doing it. We gotta be back. We'll be back next week for sure. We'll get into more finals talk. Uh maybe we'll get into some NFL discussion because we're starting to hit that dead period in sports, folks. It's just baseball. And we got 162 games in baseball. It's a lot of baseball, folks. And we- Joe and I's teams both suck. Major suck. <laughs> at least Blaine's team won a series in the last two weeks. So that's good to hear. Um, yeah. So we'll get into, we'll get into that NFL all seasons here though. We'll, we'll get in discussions there. I was watching fantasy football videos today to get myself ready for August. I know I, know, I got, I got to invest in, I got to start studying how your league works. Yeah, me. yeah. We'll, we'll talk off air about that. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're we're looking forward uh, to the to the summer. We are here, ready to go, and golf's gonna be in full swing for us as well. So, um, make sure you all tune in to the NBA Finals. It's gonna be a good one. Hope to see it, and uh, make sure you always tune in here at the final whistle. Check out the socials here, of course, as well, and uh, like and subscribe as you can. So, all right, folks, have a good night. Have a good morning. Have a good afternoon. Wherever you are, have a good day.